I feel like we need to take advantage of this time that we have. I think it's a rare time in our history. Okay, you no longer have a marathon, but you will. Like marathons will come back and it is going to be what it is. Um, oh, I can't go out, run long miles on my city or, or, you know, I have to wear a mask and all these kind of things. Yeah, but what we could do now is put the work into the core that we need to um, in order to build that strength, build that speed um, to get us ready and kind of have a step up on those other runners that are going to have to catch up. Welcome to the Feel Good Running Podcast, where our goal is to keep you motivated, inspired, and energized. As a runner, or perhaps you are looking for the right motivation to become one, you've definitely found the right place. We share inspirational stories from real runners, motivating running-related information, and much more to help you feel good about your running. And now your host and a longtime Feel Good Runner himself, Jim Lynch. Well, hello, runners, and welcome to episode number 30. Man, it's hard to believe. It really sounds strange to say episode 30, but it's a very welcome strange. And the reason that we're here is because of you, the listeners. So I'm forever grateful to you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Jim Lynch, and this is my podcast, Feel Good Running. Welcome to it. If you happen to be a new runner and you stumbled across my podcast, well, you're in the right place. And if you're a regular or seasoned runner, well, again, you're in the right place. But if you happen to come across this podcast and have no interest in running, then man, you are in the wrong place and you need to go find yourself another podcast. But this is a fair warning. If you stay, who knows, you could become a runner. Oh no, we can't let that happen now, can we? Well, you are going to enjoy this episode. My guest is Frank Campo, who is the founder of Prana Endurance Training. I've known Frank for many years and I actually watched him transform from his first marathon in Kansas City in 2007 to become an incredible runner and a very effective running and triathlon coach. So no matter what level runner you are, I guarantee you're going to get something out of our great conversation this episode. And that's coming up in just a little bit. So how is everyone? How are you doing out there? You know, aside from dealing with the coronavirus, we're also in the middle of the summer and it is hot out there. Right here in Denver, it's been 90 plus degrees just about every day the past three weeks. Feel like I'm back on Maui and it seems like the entire country is going through a heat wave now too. So here's some advice. You know, when it when you're doing this uh, running in the heat thing, avoid running during the hottest time of the day, which is usually afternoon. And of course, it depends on what part of the country you live in. You can adjust that time. I personally run early in the morning and I've had some very good runs. It's usually in the mid 60s. So I avoid all that heat. But if you are running when it's a little bit warmer, be sure to hydrate, drink water. That's really important. And if you're going for a super long run, then you want to take water with you. Of course, that's a smart thing. If you're running in the extreme heat, which I would suggest you avoid, but if you do, run slower. Don't try to do your normal pace. It just is smart running. And remember to take a phone and a credit card and maybe some money with you in case you need an Uber or a Lyft in case you get into trouble. I, you know, 
There are definitely several articles about running in the heat that you can Google, and I'll throw a couple in on the show notes if you want to take a look at them. Just be smart out there when you're running in the heat. It's, uh, it's not pleasant. Some people adapt to it better. I am definitely a cooler weather runner. That's just me. Everybody has their own preference. All right. Well, they all fall down. Almost all of the fall marathons are canceled. Actually, when you hear my conversation with Frank, it was right before New York was canceled. And since then, Chicago and New York, two of the largest marathons in the U.S., are donezo for this year. Philadelphia just canceled and many, many more have been canceled, which I think is the right thing. But there are still some that are scheduled. You can find some out there. North Dakota, there's Fargo and Bismarck that are still scheduled. Omaha, Nebraska, they're still keeping theirs thus far. And the biggie, the only other real big one out there is the Marine Corps Marathon that they're still working on uh, trying to pull that off uh, in October. So we'll see what happens and what transpires with COVID-19 as we transition into the fall. All I can tell you right now is stay safe and wear a mask when in public areas. And my summer, by the way, is going very well. If you have been listening to the past few episodes, I've mentioned that I am doing the virtual Colorado Trail Challenge two-person relay with my friend, Dr. Michelle, out here in Denver. It started June 1st and it goes through September 3rd. It's a 500-mile challenge. Well, as of this recording, we just finished crazy. I have not run that much in such a short amount of time in several years. Last month alone, June, I ran 200 miles. I really didn't think I had that left in me, but I apparently did. And it's amazing what your body will do when you put your mind to it. I had a great time doing that challenge, by the way. And, um, Kind of sad to see it go. But with the pandemic still hampering the running world, it was a welcome challenge for me. But I will say, as much fun as it was, I'm ready to downshift and do some cross training. So I'm going to cut down my mileage a little bit, get back into the weights and all that and, you know, try to try to balance things out a little bit. And of course, I hope that whatever your fitness plans were for this summer, whether it's running, cross training, trail running, whatever, that uh, you're sticking with it and uh, pushing through this hot summer. All right. I, I'm not sure how I missed this when it came out, but I just watched a very powerful running documentary. It's called Skid Row Marathon, and you can find it on Amazon Prime right now. It's uh, streaming. You can get it free, and I think you have to have the commercials when you get it for free, but you can spend a little bit of money and get it commercial free. Anyway, you, you may have heard about it or even seen the documentary, but it's about a very selfless person, and his name is Craig Mitchell. He's a criminal judge in Los Angeles, and he started a running club from the downtown L.A. Mission, and he trains former criminals and addicts to run a marathon. And these marathons are not necessarily in the United States. They're actually in a different country. So that's pretty cool. And I think he picks three or four of the runners that showed a lot of transformation and really dedicated themselves to the Skid Row Running Club to take with him each year. 
And uh, the success rate of this running club has been incredible. And the transformation and success of two of the four individuals that have been featured in this documentary is extremely heartwarming, especially when they cross the finish line. And I know that Judge Mitchell has had more success over the last few years. Um, Judge Mitchell, he, he just gives them hope and purpose and never expects anything in return. It's, it's just an amazing documentary. And I actually last year read an article about the Skid Row Runners and Runner's World. And it's one of those stories that just stick with you and the amazing things that he's done. And basically, it's all about giving back and believing in others. And that's what Judge Mitchell does with the Skid Row Runners. Now, I'm going to go to Los Angeles. I'll be in Los Angeles early September, I think around the 3rd. I'm going to run with the Skid Row Running Club. Uh, it's a Thursday morning at 5.30, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with them. And then I'm working on doing a podcast episode with them. I hope to get Judge Mitchell, a volunteer, and one of the runners that, uh, because of the Skid Row Running Club, is changing and transforming their lives. So I'm, I'm hoping that happens. Hope it works out. So definitely check out the documentary. I have a link to it in the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. Also uh, a link to the Runner's World article if you want to check it out a little bit further. And now it's time to welcome this episode's very special running guest. Okay, runners, my guest this episode is personal running and triathlon coach and happens to be my friend, Frank Campo. His business is Prana Endurance Training, which provides online training and personal coaching all by Frank himself. Frank actually took certified coaching courses with the primary reason to figure out for himself what would work best for him to become a stronger and faster runner. He wasn't really looking to become a running coach at that time. But Frank's passion for running and his impressive race results had others asking how he did it. And that's where Prana Endurance Training was born. Today, Frank is a running and triathlon coach with athletes all over the world, from the U.S. to Israel to Lebanon to Nicaragua. He is also known for helping athletes balance their busy lives with their training schedule in a way that allows them to get more out of each workout, prevent injuries, and most important, achieve that highly desired PR goal. Frank and his wife, Ashley, decided to downshift and explore other areas and are now based in Mexico. And if you're wondering, yes, we talk about how all of that came about. It's really a very cool story. And you're even going to get his recipe from what I hear is an absolutely mind-blowing margarita. Hmm. Got to listen to get that recipe. So you don't want to miss that now, do you? I actually haven't had one, but during our episode, I... I pressed him so the next time he visits Denver, him and his wife, Ashley, I get one. Anyway, no matter what level runner you are, I know for sure you're going to find something you can take away that's going to help you from the conversation you're about to hear. So with that said, here is me talking to my friend Frank Campo from Prana Endurance Training. Enjoy. So how's the weather down there in Mexico today? You know, it's excellent. Um, it is 76 right now. Um, the weather out here in in the Baja Peninsula, I guess, um, 
it reminds me a lot of San Francisco. You know, when we lived in San Francisco, we had these cool mornings with some of that mist and that fog. And then in the afternoon, it would get warm. Um, in San Francisco, it would get cold again. But here, it gets that desertly cold. So it's, I don't know what they call it, maybe a tropical desert. I don't know what it's called. But um, the weather's really nice. It, it's desert. But then we have the ocean right down the block. Sounds like it's kind of like Los Angeles. Uh in this time of the year, they had that uh, morning cloud coverage that it looked like it was actually going to rain and it was nice and cool. And then when the sun came out, it burnt it off. And then, you know, it spiked up into the 80s, maybe even low 90s. Exactly how it is. The cool thing about this area that I've noticed is that there's no humidity. Uh, like, uh, unlike it was in Tulum, um, you know, that coastline, it is so, so hot and so humid. It is Brutal. So I would have to get up and run maybe at 4.30 in the morning to go out for a long run because by 7.30 in the morning, um, you did not want to be out there. Right. You would like to. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, being on my show, I really appreciate it. You and I know each other from way back. You're actually very lucky you're on my show because um, for those folks out there that are listening, Frank has this great head of hair. And uh, I, I always, I'm completely jealous of this dude. I mean, it's like perfect type hair. And I have one hair that comes out of my head and it sucks, you know, but uh, Frank's a, Frank's a good dude. And uh, I think I met you, if I remember correctly, we were in runner's edge of the Rockies up here in Denver. And uh, where I think I got to know you a little bit, it was that bus trip that we went to Kansas city and that was your first marathon. Uh, we left from the parking lot, I think in Stapleton or something like that and, and went to Kansas city and, uh, that was a fun road trip. And I remember you continually saying your goal was, I want to break four hours. I want to break four hours in Kansas city. And this is in the infancy days. I think, what was that around 2011 or something? No, no, this is 2007. Six. Yeah. 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 2006, seven. Yeah. And you, uh, it was your first marathon and you broke that four hours at three hours and 54 minutes and 55 seconds. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That, that was a really rough marathon for me because I uh, did a week before, I think it was a back-to-back weekend. I did Louisville, Kentucky the week before. So, and, and Kansas City, as you know, is not an easy race. Extremely yeah. hilly out there and they catch up to you. And it starts off at the second mile with that giant hill that we go up. But you have really, really progressed. You you have a company uh, and you do personal training. It's called Prana Endurance Training. And prana is a uh, Hindu word, correct? Yes. Um, breath um, and everything I think connected with um, what the importance of that brings, that, that whole terminology of, of breath. Um, I think it, it relays both in the endurance world, of course, and then also um, in our day-to-day life. I think that um, for myself, uh, in my professional life, I found myself in a need of taking those deep breaths. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? um, so, yeah, so it kind of all relays. And when I started, um, so if you don't mind, I'll kind of go back to. Yeah, go back. Because I think that's a great, great starting point. Yeah. Um, you bring back amazing memories to me. Um, you know, I was in the military for a couple of years and I have always been kind of fit, but 
I never have thought about running a marathon. Uh, high school, I grew up in a pretty rough area in Jersey City. It was it was tough, so we didn't have a lot of these sports, you know. Um, and um, I never knew anything about running or track or none of this stuff. So I went in the military. Everything was great there. I, I did about six years in there, and I was in the Air Force. And then um, I finished my my time in the service, and I ended up in Colorado. And due to certain things, I ended up meeting um, Runner's Edge and started running with them. And I was like, you know, it's kind of cool. And I started progressing and I had no, no idea, no ambitions, no goals, no really nothing. And then as I got through my training, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then everybody kept talking about like this four hour mark. And I was like, OK, cool. That sounds great. And I used to run with a, a great group of people. One thing that I, I I kind of go back to that because I feel like it's important. Those fundamentals years of running without any quote unquote goals or reaching for the stars were instrumental to my progression as a runner. I unknowingly build a lot of base, you know, which is something that I think is very, very important for beginner athletes, beginner runners, um, not to rush into anything. And you have to kind of build that engine. And the better you build that engine um, in a way that you're not pushing yourself every single run, the better you will be in your longevity as a runner. So in Kansas City, you say it's a hard race. I don't recall. I don't, I didn't think it was at that time. It was your first race. It was. Yeah, you didn't know any better. Nothing. But I do remember um the importance of pacing myself. And I, we ran with uh, David, our coach at that time, and we were just kind of hanging out and he was like, you know what, just hold back, stay with me and we'll just get you through it. No problem. So I'm going and going and going. And I don't know, mile 20 or 22 or something. I was like, Hey Dave, I feel great. I need to run, man. I need to go. And he's like, just hold on, hold on. And <laughs> finally he was like, just go for it. And I just right. took off like a bat out of hell. <laughs> and I had such an amazing race, a great finish. Uh, but it was all about that holding back, being, you know, coached by someone along the way. And um, I had a great race. And from that time, I just fell in love with it. You know, and I, as you probably could see through a lot of my race results, I it took me a couple of years to have the ambition to say, Hey, I want to try to break three hours. What is that going to take? But I did definitely take some time to just kind of build that base that was needed. You're uh, I'm, I'm looking at your progression and and by the way, you, you mentioned hold back and then push it later. I never learned that lesson. Never. I knew in my head that I should take it easy the first half of the race, but I always thought I need to kill it the first half of the race because if I'm dead at the first half of the race, when we get to mile, the, the halfway point, that I'm not going to have anything banked. You'd think I would learn that after 100 marathons. Nah, never learned it. Um, you, know, I, I have a, I, you know, I think my engineering mindset, or I don't know what it is with me or my ADD, I'm not sure, but um, I remember um, after, you know, doing some marathons and then it became a game to me. I started um, looking at my watch and seeing how every mile was coming up. Um, and I, there was no Garmin at that point or anything. I was just kind of with, with a stopwatch looking at things and mentally saying, okay, well, um, oh, I'm going to run, you know, 
two seconds slower on this next uh, mile or one second faster or one, you know, I would really, really be conscious about that. And my goal was always to unknowingly was to do negative splits or very, very close to Uh, it just felt better to me. And then at the end, I enjoyed just kind of taking off, you know. Well, that engineering mind and, and discipline, probably from when you were in the service, all of that kind of combined really helped you in your journey. You know, I noticed uh, from the first marathon, if you go all the way up to probably, I'd say September of 2012, and uh, one of my favorite races, I've done it three times, Pocatello, Idaho. In between that time, 2007 and September of 2012, you you were pretty much right around a 350, 340 marathoner. Nothing, you know, a very respectable times. I take those any time of the year. But you hit Pocatella and you nailed it. 323.43. And that was your first Boston qualifier. What changed? Because you actually did two. You did September, Pocatella, and then you did October. My favorite marathon ever, St. George. And that was at 316.46. So there was a period of time. What, what happened there? So what happened there is that um, I took a couple of years to build that base, which again, I think is very important. And something got into me about, let me just run to my potential. In order to run to my potential, I needed help. I needed coaching. Um, We were in a group coaching setting, which is great for what it is, but I personally needed personalized coaching. So I started looking, I started researching and everything else. And it was hard for me to really find a coach that was affordable, um, a coach that provided me with the data that I wanted to. I want to, very simply, I want to know why I am running every day. That's, you know, if you tell me today is an easy day, go just have fun. That's what I'm going to do. If you tell me today, we're going to go kill it. I'm going to go kill it today and I'm going to bring it. So I need that guidance. I need that understanding of what's happening. If not, then I am just lost. Um, so that's when I started dialing things in. After looking and everything else, then I started, I didn't really find a coach that worked for me. I did find one person that she helped me a lot uh, to find a bit of structure. But quite honestly, I just started digging into books and I started coaching myself. That's kind of how that came about. And I started trying different things upon myself, what would work, um, different tempo, different type of workouts, different. And I put work into it and the results are pretty clear. I was able to knock off big chunks of time in the beginning. Right. You were. It's a, it was amazing. And we all noticed that um, at that time when you did that, I was I just moved to Maui in July of 2012. But, you know, through our circle of friends with Jay and Steve Mack and all them, Michelle, all everybody that's out there that we all know, I noticed from afar the results that you were getting. And it's it was amazing, you know, remembering what you did in Kansas City. And then your times, it kind of jumped up and down. But I think you'd probably, my guess would be, you picked some races that you really wanted to hammer out, like the California International, that was a 310, and Chicago in 14, 309. 
But in, in 2016, January, your uh, PR looks like Houston at 301.57. Mm-hmm. Trying to get that sub three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was at uh, probably the best shape of my life then. I had moved to San Francisco. Um, I started running with friends who were naturally talented, and I probably should not have been running with them. They were constantly sub three-hour marathoners. They were 240s, 230s, without even, I mean, putting in the work, but just natural people, naturally runners. So, and San Francisco, I feel, was also, it's, it's a great mecca for athletes. It's a great place. The city, just uh, the contour of the city allows you for some amazing training. Um, and I moved from also doing Ironmans in Colorado to just strictly running and doing some cycling on the side. Uh, it was very, very hard for me to fit in cycling, swimming, and doing all these things living in the city. Um, so I changed my focus to just running. And then I also started running with faster people. I started also, at this time I was coaching myself and I was doing um, hard runs on Saturday, trail runs on Sundays, and then running every single day, pretty much just putting an intense amount of volume on my body. My, I noticed that my body could handle, you know, a hundred miles a week easily. Like I was okay with that um, without breaking down finding that balance, understanding why, when I needed to rest and all that kind of stuff took a lot of work. And that's kind of where, where that came about trying to hit that, you know, sub three hour marathon. How many Ironmans have you completed? Um, I believe it's four. I think it's four. Nice. Nice. Congratulations on that. Thanks. I know. know, I I always do. I always did those. Um, just for fun, to be honest with you, I never was competitive in them. I did them with friends, and it was to me, it was more just like um, a day of fun with people that I love being with. Um, I was so glad that I moved to Hawaii because I didn't want to get sucked into that Ironman triathlon thing that everybody seemed to have gotten sucked into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's 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 a great it's a great um, it's a great world. Uh, it, it provides a, a lot of good cross training. Have you done ultras? I have done a 50k in San Francisco. Yep. Cool. So you've, you've, you've got the whole, the whole realm of everything really in there behind you. And that's probably why you're, uh, you're a successful coach now. So prana endurance training, when did that start? When did you start that company? I started that company um, right about the time I was leaving, to, I was going to San Francisco. Okay. Um, and I started it basically because when we were in Denver, actually, yeah, when we were in Denver, um, I started coaching some of our friends for Ironman races. You know, people were just, it was just a group of people and I would just give blanket coaching programs to folks. And then I started finding people coming to me and saying, hey, I want something for this one marathon and for this one race that is not a group race. Were these so people then, you knew? Yeah, they were all people that I knew. And then, um, and it wasn't even like I wasn't soliciting it. They were just knowing that I was providing coaching. And I started coaching them on, on a free basis and providing them plans for certain races. 
Then I got to San Francisco and more people started contacting me. At this point, they started contacting me and asking me, hey, I want to do this X time on this race. Can you give me a plan for that? And I was like, okay, I could give you a plan for that, but I could guarantee that you'll get there if you do things correctly and all things go well. But I can't just give you an 18-week plan because that's not going to be personalized to you. Right. So what I could do is I could coach you on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. And as you change, the plan and the program is going to change. We're going to go through different phases of training. And then I'll let's work on this phase and we'll have an understanding of what that phase is for. And then we'll move to the next phase and I'll give you some zones and then we'll work to the next phase, whatever. Let's just make sure that we are very deliberate on what we're doing. Um, one of my biggest things is that I want to make sure that it's quality versus quantity. You know, I, I know that right, like right now I can't put a hundred miles in my body. My body will break down, but I know that some people thrive off of that. Like their body is, is made well for their volume while others it's just not. So I need to assess every athlete and understand what their body can uh, sustain in order for them for me to give them proper training. So, so some people that it's cool. I could put in long workouts. Other people, I have maybe 30 minutes that I need to give them that type of stress in order for them to be able to come back tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So it, it builds this uh, accumulation during a week, during two weeks, during whatever phase it is. So I, that's kind of where I, I have gone with my coaching program that it's everything is very personalized, you know, to the, to the athlete and their goals. Well, you, you know, you have the background because you come from a running background, which is really awesome. And then you, you uh, are a USAT certified coach, RRCA certified coach, which I am too. I took the program in San Diego, mm-hmm. uh, training peaks level two accredited coach and stride run with power certified coach. Um, so you have that background. When, when you went through all of those training classes, you were, you were doing that to become a coach, but you were also doing that personally to try to figure out better ways for you to run and how to understand your body and how to stay away from injuries because you focus a lot on that on your website that people get over, they overtrain, they get injured, they don't meet their goals, they just get almost to their goals, but they don't, and you get them over that line with your training. Did you find a secret sauce in there somewhere that you use personally that you've applied in your training that has helped runners that you have coached? Yes. Um, and this is, I think, uh, I'll give a big piece of advice to every runner out there, uh, particularly new runners or runners that have got to that plateau. And I feel like, um, maybe it's part of our society. Uh, maybe it's, um, trying to keep up with the, I don't know, Joneses runners, athletes kind of thing. Um, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to go kind of on a tangent here for a second. Sure. Um, I feel like, um, the social media aspect of our, our sport or our, whatever we do activities, can definitely take a toll on the person. So for example, people are into like throwing things on stride and uh, I mean on Strava and, and everything is great and everybody wants to see what's going on and all these things. I think that could be a detriment because 
it makes you want to go out and crush every single workout where all you're doing is you're just beating your body into submission. Like you're digging yourself deeper and deeper into into a hole. So back to the question, my biggest advice for runners and athletes in general is, first of all, find a balance in the type of training that you're doing. Understand why you're doing the training that you're doing and also slow down. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You know, some of us need more focus on strength training. You know, if you are doing strength training, that's cool. What type of strength training are you doing? Are you doing strength training for an Olympic uh, lift power lifter? You know, or are you doing strength training for a runner or a rower or a swimmer? You know, there's things that we need to do um, that are going to benefit the activity that we're about to do. You know, so for my runners, I focus a lot on strength training that is um, strength on just using your body weight. You know, I don't need you to go out there and do power lifts. I don't need you to do that. That's not what our ambition is. However, I have athletes that come to me and I'm, I'm one of these people that come to me and they say, Hey, I love cross training or CrossFit. And I'm like, cool. CrossFit is okay. I do CrossFit. I enjoy it. But when I go to the CrossFit gym, I talk to my CrossFit folks and I say, Hey guys, my first thing is runner, you know, so I can do things that are going to prevent me from running. So I sometimes do workouts that are modified. Right. Uh, but, I, but I have to have that discipline. I can't go out there and you know pull all this weight and do all this crazy stuff. I like the environment of, of, of being with other folks. Um, so yeah, so I think having an understanding of what you're doing, making sure that you respect your body and kind of run slowly or train slowly um, so you could get up the next day and when you're doing quality work, you are able to put 110% into that quality workout. You know, you mentioned CrossFit, and one thing that I found out about CrossFit, I have a couple really good friends on Maui that do CrossFit, and you really have to be careful. You have to find the right CrossFit coach, whatever one that you go to, and make sure that they apply to what you do instead of forcing you to do what they think should be done, which can create injury easily. It's scary if you go in there. If somebody, it's probably just like running, somebody coming into running, they're nervous about going to run with a running group or whatever. Same thing with CrossFit. But it's, you got to be really careful in that. And it sounds like you found a decent CrossFit that they were able to apply to what you were looking for. Yeah, yeah. And and I think you have to be strong when you go into these, uh, I think they call them boxes or gyms or whatever. Um, in Denver, I went to one and I, I felt so out of place. They were not listening to me. And I was like, cool. Um, I'm out of here. So right. I didn't go back to that. But here locally, I found one and I really enjoy it. The guy, we do some boxing, you know, with some footwork. We do some stuff. He understands that my thing is running and he respects that. And I respect what we have going on that day. So I think you just need to be strong. You need to be true to yourself, understand what your primary things are and uh, make sure that you're I don't know, respecting your body, I guess. You know, there's one book that I've read that really had an impact on me, and it's got to be about six years old now, but it made the most sense to me. You, you familiar with Matt Fitzgerald, yep. uh, the writer? He came out with a book called 80-20 Running. Yes. Um, and eight, it, what basically it is, is 80% of the time you run slow, 
And 20% of the time you do all your speed work, hill work, uh, you know, tempo runs and all of that. And what I liked about the book at the very first half of it was basically the history of it all and, and how that all is applied to elite runners and, you know, the science behind it. And then the second half was basically putting, a, you know, your own training program together. I, I found that to be just a spectacular book, and it's helped me out a lot. The only problem is, is that I think my 80% now is 99%, and then I have 1% in the speed part of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's okay, though. I think, you know, you sound like me. I, I'm in this phase right now in my training where I just go out and enjoy my runs. I... Um, I don't go out and crush it. I don't do speed work much because I don't have a goal, but I love to run. It's my moment in the morning. Like I, it's my Zen moment. I do amazing thinking. I, I also, I also do auto meditation. I do a lot of things like this and I have really found that the two combine very well. You know, the breathing techniques, just, um, the moment that you get when you're out there just running, um, it's very enlightening for me. I need that to start my day. Um, if I sign up for a race, you know, now with the virus and the pandemic that we're faced, it's kind of tough. But in the future, when I sign up for a race, then I will get into race mode. That means that I will set my calendar, understand the phases that I need to go through. I also need to start watching my diet. Um, I mean, I'm a light guy, but I know that I know the weight that I need to be at in order to perform well. And if I'm under that weight, I perform awful. And if I'm over, I, I feel it in my legs. So I will just like, maybe like a boxer. I don't know anything about boxing, but I'm guessing how they do that as well is that you notice that off season, you know, they bulk up and they do a lot of training uh, like that. But then once you're ready for that competition or your race or whatever it is, you need to be able to get focused into that. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you do. And if somebody was interested, first of all, in in your, well, let's wait on that. What I want to talk about now, how is it down there as far as the pandemic? Oh man, that's a great question. So um, I feel like we are about, so we're in Mexico, just so everybody knows this. Um, I feel like we are about two weeks to a month behind the curve. You know, we kept looking at what happened in New York. Uh, we watch just headline news every morning. So we keep looking what happened in New York and I'm like, oh, that's about to happen here. That's about to happen. And we slowly see it. The good thing about where we are now is that we only have a town of about 8,000 people. So we're a very, very small town. Um, However, and the town has kind of started protecting each, themselves. Um, we haven't had many cases that we know of. We also don't have a lot of testing, but we are also in an area that has a lot of tourism. So as soon as in a couple of days, I think in about three days, uh, the government's going to open up tourism. Again. And I feel like we're going to start seeing the impacts of that, you know, by next month sometime. So um, it's unfortunate because we live in an area where um, there's a lot of folks that live not paycheck by paycheck, but day by day. You know, you make money today, you go buy something to eat, and that's what you eat. It's day by day. They're not fortunate enough to have a paycheck per se. 
I'll give you a perfect example. We live across the street from about 10, no, yeah, maybe 10 acres of chilies, peppers farm. Um, we see the workers come in in buses to pick the chilies. You know, they fill up about three semi trucks full of chilies. Now, there's no social distancing, there's no masks, there's no, but um, you really see that economic impact if they don't pick the chilies, they don't eat, they don't, you know. So it's really tough to kind of see it um, from this perspective. Uh, we're very lucky that we're able to lock ourselves in and not go anywhere and things like that. But um, I don't know. I, I hope that the worst is, is not yet to come, but I feel like it might be. You know? Well, up here, you know, Denver has not really reopened much. They have. I, you can now go to a brew pub and restaurants and some other things, but it just doesn't feel the same right now. Our curve has gone down. More things are opening, but movie theaters aren't open yet. They're slowly opening like the zoo and museums and all that. But I'm really nervous, especially what's going on. You don't want to look at the news too often because it looks like, you know, we're going to have a second wave and it could be pretty heavy duty. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, you know, I, our biggest fear, I mean, I think we're pretty healthy and everything else, but I think our biggest fear is having to deal with um, the medical system, you know, where we are. Um, not that it's not great because there are some amazing doctors here in Mexico. However, the town that we are in, I always joke and I say there are two doctors. One of them is a vet, you know. Uh, I doubt there's any uh, respirators or things like that. So if things got really, really bad, we would probably have to jump on a plane and go back to the States. I'm, I, I don't know. Now we have medical care and we have good places, but we have to go to, I don't know, about an hour away or to Cabo or La Paz or somewhere to get treatment. And um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, like we are doing our best to not overwhelm that system. Yeah. And so, yeah. Well, you're at the tip of the Baja coast down there about, what, 47 miles from Cabo, if you head yeah. up on the Pacific side? Correct, yeah. We are um, about half a mile to the ocean from our house, so 10-minute walk to the ocean. And um, all the way down to the tip is Cabo, and that's where we do our major grocery shopping and all our stuff. Yeah. So. That's like people in Hawaii, if they live in Hana, they got to come over to Kahului to go to Costco and get all their shopping done. It's crazy. Well, let's, let's talk. And the reason why I brought up the pandemic is because the running world has been hammered. I mean, just decimated by this pandemic as far as races and running groups and what everybody was working towards, their goals for a race. And all these races are canceled. You know, Boston was just canceled. So was Big Sur. Uh, that was that went down. The one that Stevie Mac. Why do you have his picture on your website, Stevie Mac? By the way, I mean, <laughs> come on, he's not a poster boy. I love Steve. He's awesome. <laughs> I saw that on there, and I got scared for a second. Um, That's funny. <laughs> uh, that guy has some grit, man. I'll tell you what. Oh yeah, he's. Did all those back-to-back <laughs> Ironman and all that. You know, he's got a military background. He's got the mind. He's yep. he's tough dude. But, you know, I'm wondering about Chicago, Marine Corps, New York. Are those going to fall also? But to get to the point, there's a lot of runners out there that are just fledgling. They're getting involved with these virtual races, which are getting as uh, exhausting as Zoom meetings 
now. I mean, there's only so many virtual races you can do. I'm doing the the Colorado Trail Challenge, uh, which is pretty awesome. Michelle Wolcott and myself are a two-person team. So that's a nice summertime goal. But a lot of these runners, they don't have anything to latch on to. What kind of advice, being a coach, would you give runners out there? These are These are the runners that are have been consistently running, not the new runners yet. What, what advice would you give them? Yeah, you know, um, that's a great question. So I'll give you an idea from like my business. Um, my business, I think like a lot of businesses saw a decline um, in athletes. And some of them said, hey, the race is done. I don't need a coach anymore. I'm out. I'm like, cool. I respect that. And others said, hey, the the race is no longer, what can we do? And I feel like we need to take advantage of this time that we have. I think it's a rare time in our history that we are able to breathe. You know, we're able to take a step back and do the things that we always are too busy to do. So what I've been doing with a lot of my athletes is We've been working on skills development. So we've been working on things that tend to be put on the side or we don't have time to do in order to kind of focus on those things. Now, a couple of those things have to do with strength. A bunch of those things have to do with speed, you know? So, okay, you no longer have a marathon, but you will. Like marathons will come back and it's going to be what it is. Um, oh, I can't go out, run long miles or my city or, or, you know, I have to wear a mask and all these kind of things. Yeah. But what we could do now is put the work into the core that we need to um, in order to build that strength, build that speed um, to get us ready and kind of have a step up on those other runners that are going to have to catch up. Also, something that's very important is that people are stuck at home. They're going to be eating a lot. They're not burning those calories. So it's critical to actually be mindful of that. So if not, then you're going to start piling on some weight and it's going to be hard to to kind of knock off later. So what I've done with a lot of my athletes is that we have restructured our calendars and we've started maybe working on speed or working on different things that they need to work on and doing quote unquote virtual races but they're more between me and the athlete. So we'll do some half marathon just for the distance and just for the speed to see where we are. And then, um, you know, one thing, I'm, I know you know this more than anybody, but a lot of people say, hey, I have a marathon. And it's funny, I, I have folks that come to me and say, I have a marathon in four weeks. Uh, can you help me out? And, uh, and I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> it depends. Where are yeah, you? What have you been doing? You know? Exactly. So a lot of people are always trying to crunch all their training into this really, really crazy amount of time. And then not only are you trying to crunch everything into 16 weeks, 18 weeks, but you also have work, you have kids, you have, uh, vacations, you have all these other things going on. Um, there's things that get cut out. You know, people get sick, all these things. So right now we're utilizing this time to kind of build those things that have been cut out. You know, it's uh, it's interesting because you're right. The race directors, races have been canceled. A big hit on running. Even the running stores have been closed for a while. They're coming back now. Running groups have been put on hold. Some people are connecting up and going out in groups of 10 now. But what's interesting is behind the scenes, 
the platform of running is increasing. There are more and more people out there running. You know, here in Denver, I know I see people that are wearing masks and I think people out here because we're wide open spaces can go out and do their long runs now. Um, but there's a lot of brand new runners coming into the sport. And uh, I hear this all over that these people are starting. Now, they don't know what they're doing. They don't, I mean, maybe they do, but in general, they probably don't. What advice would you give a absolute brand new runner that has discovered running in the last six weeks through this pandemic? Yeah, I would say that, um, first of all, do a, a quick check and make sure that you have the equipment, you know, the, the tools. Very, very simple. You know, um, the most important thing, make sure that your footwear is appropriate. With that said, you know, if you need to go buy a new set of shoes, whatever the case is, start tracking what your mileage are is on those shoes. You know, I personally don't like to put more than 400 miles on my shoes. I feel like it's probably very conservative, but I also feel like I don't like to get injured. So I go through shoes a lot. You know, it's probably one of my most expensive things that I, my habits, but I think that's one of the biggest things. And then also find your rhythm. Don't, and I tell this to so many athletes here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little insight on, on how my first phase of coaching goes with most people. I first tell them, we need to learn how to run on feel. I need you to feel on this, just feel how you're running. <laughs> people are going to be like, what is, what does this crazy guy mean? What I mean is that I need you to go out and just run easy or just go run moderate or run fast, whatever that workout might be. I need you to run on feel how you feel that day. Today's easy is going to feel different than tomorrow's easy. And maybe you didn't sleep well and all these kind of things. But those things are very important because you're, you develop a stride. Um, if you run easy, you're going to be more likely to land correctly on your feet and get less injured. Um, once you learn that pacing, then we can move forward into a next phase, which we're going to build upon. We're going to add maybe some sh some speed and understanding. But more than likely, I want you to I want to go running with you, and I say, "Hey, what pace are you on? Are we on?" And you could tell me, oh, we're about nine minute pace," and we are within there. I think that's amazing. It's it builds so much control, and it builds so much awareness when you're in that marathon at mile 24, you know, and should I push myself? Should I not push myself? It builds that internal governor. So I tell a lot of people, get your Garmin, turn it on, put it in your pocket. Don't look at it. Um, so for runners, uh, for new runners, I would say get out there, enjoy it, have fun with it, slow yourself down. There is no rush to it. Um, Get a good feeling on how things are going. You know, you will notice if your body is telling you something that is not right and listen to that body. Get some rest. You know, you don't need to go running every single day. You know, do some cross training, whatever it is. Um, I, there's folks, so I, I focus on personalized coaching and I do coaching for most, well, yeah, all my athletes are worldwide. I don't have anyone local. Um, and I kind of choose it that way. I noticed that. Uh, you have yeah. all over the world, Nicaragua, Lebanon, U.S., yeah. amazing. I, I love it. I love it. I always tell folks that just enjoy kind of where you are and, and, and whatever environment you're in. And, um, 
you know, if you if you're going to go sign up for a race or if you're ready to move forward to the next stage, you know, I would really say invest in yourself, invest in that time that you're doing, you know, get a coach, get a coaching board, get something that's going to help you make the most out of that time. Um, if you're just now learning, then yeah, go get something free online. There's plenty of great programs. Do a little research on them uh, and understand where they're coming from, the methodology behind them. But once you're ready to move forward, it might be a good investment to invest in a coach or a program or a running group or something like that. Right. Running group, especially there's, you know, and as well as I do in Denver, there's a ton of them. You got the runner's roost, you've got runner's edge. Um, when that comes back and, you know, other groups that you can go out because I don't know about you, but running groups really enhanced my running. You know, you can only run by yourself so long. And then you, you know, you just don't have any more motivation. But when you get with a running group, you start getting running friends, like-minded people, you become more competitive, you become more of a, you know, enthusiastic runner, a better runner. Um, And a lot of these, a lot of these uh, running groups are free, especially from running stores. So if you don't have the money to go to a personal coach, start off with that and then move forward as you go through. Yeah, you know, in San Francisco, I belonged to the San Francisco Roadrunners, um, and they were awesome, awesome, awesome group. Three hundred people, kind of like Runners Edge. Great group of folks. We would run with. I would run with them, let's say on Saturdays, and then from that group splintered a group of folks that really were at a different level. And with those folks, I would go do track workouts. I would do more things. Um, I would utilize more tools. And maybe this is something we could chat about, about tools regarding your Garmin, heart rate, paces, um, power. There's all these different terminologies that there's very, very confusing. So some of my elite athletes, let's say, you know, we utilize power as a training method. Uh, So I coach them based on wattage. Everything has to do with wattage. Uh, there's no real paces or anything like that. Everything has to do with wattage. And then there's other folks that we focus sometime on pacing. Heart rate, we utilize it more as a tool to see what's happening overall. But I find there's there's a big variance in heart rate from day to day that I can't use as consistent as I would like to. So getting back to the running group, on most of the runs on Saturdays or whatever, we would run with the group. It was just cool. It was nice. It was easy run. It was just social. But then on Sundays, we would go crush it. On Tuesdays, we would go crush it. On Thursday, we would crush it at the track. You know, it would be these different things that we would go do. So they all had their methods, but everything came from this community that we built in, I don't know, our tribe that we found. Right. Yes. Now, it was amazing. I, uh, I missed the running groups. Uh, I had one uh, that I had a Wednesday night run that I put on out in Maui. I was vice president of Valley Isle Roadrunners, but I also put on a run and it ended up, you know, before I left, we had 45 people a week every Wednesday and most of them were locals, which was really surprising. We'd have some tourists come in and drift in and join us for a week and then we'd never see them again or they come out once a year. But it's it's just so cool. Now let's talk about uh, your your training program. If somebody out there is interested, first of all, what type of person do you think should check out your program? What type of person that's running? 
So um, I coach people of all different levels. Um, I enjoy that diversity. I, for some time, I've focused on high-performing um, athletes, and I found that I needed folks of all different types, you know, to, to help me also become a well-rounded coach. So people find me on my website. They go to my website and they will schedule a call, you know, a 15 minute sure call that, you give like a complimentary 15 minute call. Yep. Yep. I, we chat, it tends to be a little longer than 15 minutes, but we chat because I want to make sure that we're going to be a good fit. That it's going to be a good relationship. It's going to be a long-term relationship. So it needs to be good. Um, it needs to be a relationship that we understand each, each other's roles. You know, um, I'm here to push you, to push you safely, uh, to meet those goals. Your job is just to follow the workout. If you want to know anything about that certain workout, I'll be happy to chat with you and tell you why we're doing X, Y, and Z. But I want to take the stress out of your life and I want to focus on your coaching. I use a platform called Training Peaks. So in Training Peaks, it's a calendar view. And I go on there and we're both able to see the, the calendar. I go on there and I put the workouts that I want you to do that week. Um, I tend to put them out maybe three weeks uh, ahead because I want you to know that in two weeks you have to go do a long run, but maybe you have a baby shower and you could tell me, Hey Frank, we need to move that day. So you could manage your life, you know, uh, and we'll adjust things. So when the runner or the athlete goes out and does their activity and they come back, all their data automatically uploads on training peaks. This starts building a database and charts that I'm able to kind of see how you're progressing, see what type of stress we're putting on your body, see what form you're in, see, you know, how rest you're, see all these things, and then also, quote unquote, project into the future. So I'm able to say, in a very systematic way, say, in this phase, we're going to push you to this level. The next phase, we're going to build you up a little bit. The next phase, we're going to recover you for a couple of, and then we're going to be in peak performance in order to go for your race, whatever that is. So, um, I like that because it gives us all an understanding of clear goals. Uh, and that's what I do with my athletes. Uh, when we chat with them on the phone, you know, we understand if it's a good match. Uh, they tell me their goals. I have an, a gentleman yesterday from Mexico, from Guadalajara. He contacted me and he was like, hey, I just want to be in good shape to do a hundred kilometer uh, bike ride with my son-in-law and his wife. Cool. So I am going to build a program for him that is something that he can enjoy with his family. You know, he's not competitive. He's 65 and he just wants, and he has some conditions, some high blood pressure. He just wants to do things safely and enjoy his training. So, so yeah, so I'm able to kind of mesh that together and make sure that I provide the, the proper training for him. Well, I'm going to have it in the show notes, your, the link to your training site. And, you know, maybe somebody will reach out to you. I know you can only take so many people, but there also can be a waiting list or something like that, that, you know, if you feel it's a good fit and you can't do it right away. What I was really struck when I looked at your website is I can pick people that I know that could use certain areas of your training. One of them, um, I'm not going to say the person's name. She has qualified for Boston four times. She ran it. She ran it a couple of times, but she qualified for four. 
and she she qualifies at a race, and then she keeps pounding the miles out, and she gets injured, and then she can't run Boston. And so this is kind of has been a cycle for probably around four years. I feel so bad for her because I know that if she would tweak her training, she would be able to to run Boston. But something, you know, I saw that actual application in your website mentioned, you know. Yeah, you know, um, unfortunately, I think it is a very, very common thing um, for us runners. We, I think we're very addicted, you know, to, to just running and the endorphins and everything that this drug that it, it comes and it brings to us. Um, I find that a lot of veteran runners, all they do is just go pound it out, pound it out, pound it out. And then they, they go marathon after marathon. They, they do five, six marathons a year. And you're like, wow, when do you have time to rest? And when do you have time to kind of recover from that last race? Um, and, there, and there are ways to coach people just like I coach ultra marathoners. There's, there's ways that I could coach you to put on those long miles, you know, or do back-to-back marathons. There's definitely ways to do that. But we also need to take a step back and understand what are our goals. If the goals are just to qualify for Boston, cool. Let's just qualify for Boston. Let's just put it in. If it's to better your time, you know, if it's to reach your peak performance, if it's whatever that goal is, then it takes a different type of, of training. I see people make this error quite a bit. Um, I, I look at their training and I'm like, okay, well, it looks like you've been going to the track. They're like, yeah, yeah, I've been going to the track. I've been doing speed work. I found it on this website and it's speed work and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, what, why are you running 200s or 400s on the track? You know, are you racing for a 10K or are you racing for 5K? What, do you, what is your goal? Oh, no, no, it's for a marathon. And I'm like, well, that's not the engine that we're building. You know, you're not putting, uh, you're not building a Ferrari, um, you know, motor for a marathon, what we are need to do is have a reliable engine for that long trek. Now, if we're running a 5K or 10K competitively, then we're going to go do, you know, 100s, 200s, 400s. We're going to be doing those uh, slow workouts. But even when you get on the track, understanding what that is. For marathoners, some workouts that make the most sense are workouts that push you at the point that you're exhausted. For example, here's a here's a t- uh, common workout that I have folks do, and it's very very difficult. So I'll tell people go run ten miles as your warm up, just easy ten miles, cool, no problem. You know, make sure you have your nutrition, make sure you have all your all that stuff. Understand what the nutrition is. You know, what are your calories that you're burning? Why are you putting in these calories at a certain time? Not because the packet says every forty five minutes. Like maybe your body needs more or needs less, whatever that is. So after those 10 miles, then is, that's when the running really starts. Then we're going to get into some tempo miles. Then we're going to get into some really fast stuff that is maybe a minute faster than your goal time. We're going to do that for, let's say, five miles. you know, And then we're going to lower it back up for two miles and then kill it for another you know, three miles, whatever the case is, and then have a cool down. So all in all, you're going to be putting in, you know, 20 miles, but it's going to be some quality stuff. And if we could see that progression from slow, from controlling yourself, from running on, you know, easy and on feel 
Two, being able to have the education, the dedication, the the know-how to turn it on and go, that right there is what builds those negative splits. That's that right there. If you look at my last marathon, it's actually pretty cool. My last marathon was Napa Valley Marathon. Um, and I ran it with a friend. And we ran the first, I don't know, 18 miles together or whatever. I'm not sure what mile it was. But he was like, all right, man, uh, just go. Just go. And I'm like, are you sure we could finish together? Whatever. He was like, go ahead. And I was like, all right. So then I just started running. And quite honestly, I was trying to uh, I was trying to chase down Jay Kuhn, which uh, had he was he ahead off. of you? Jeez. <laughs> And some of my splits were like in the six minute, like at mile 22 or something ridiculous. Yeah. Because I had those 18 miles as a warm up. You know, now I was building into my zone, quote unquote. So all these things kind of help. And, and they are very, very um, detailed type of training. But I think that's kind of the differentiator between folks at races and, and getting those goal times down. You know, it's smart. It's smart running that you're teaching, that you're a coach of. You you teach people to understand their bodies, what they're capable of, and you, you do it in a very structured and surgical way that they can get and reach their goals. They can accomplish their goals. I think that's really awesome. And that's why you're successful. And you are an entrepreneur. Your wife is an entrepreneur. She started the uh, Tulum Traveler, right? And wrote a book too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. My wife is awesome. She is uh, an amazing woman. She, um, you know, we, we had our, our corporate jobs in San Francisco. And um, after a couple of years that we decided to kind of uh, change things up a little bit and said, Hey, uh, San Francisco, of course, is a very, very expensive place to live. And we said, let's do a soft retirement. You know, um, I mean, we're younger, so we are not going to retire fully, but let's go kind of lower our cost of living a little bit, enjoy life and and kind of take the plunge. So we landed in Mexico and that's when things kind of started evolving. So we've recreated ourselves quite a bit. My wife, her background uh, was insurance. She was an executive in the insurance industry. And she found a niche in travel or people that wanted to travel to Tulum. And she wrote a book about that. And then she also found folks that wanted to relocate to Mexico and retire. How do I go about doing that? So all those nuances. Or she, we also have a property management business that has started up from the ground up. And she heads that. She heads a team of people that we have in Tulum and a team of people that we have here. And so, yeah, so little by little, you know, you kind of reinvent yourself, find your passion. And next thing you know, you're working for yourself, you know, do, you know, um, living your best life. We have different revenue streams coming in too from all these different areas, which is cool because like you mentioned earlier on in our interview, you work remotely. You know, you don't have an office, you don't do local trainings like uh, you do it all online and people all over the world. And the same with Ashley, she helps people that would be coming to Tulum and not getting scammed in real estate, how to understand how to purchase real estate if that's where they wanted to come down and live or retire or spend, you know, a bunch of years. And you're, you're now looking at, uh, 
expanding out. You moved over by the to the Baja coast, um, and you're thinking about even doing some more traveling here, huh? Yeah, we are. So I was born in Colombia. Um, I was eight years old when I moved um, from Colombia to the states. Uh, so Spanish is my first language, and um, I still have a lot of family in Colombia. We've gone there. We got there, I think, about three years ago, and we loved it. And I could see us maybe going and living there for a little while. And, you know, there's so many beautiful places in this world and the people are just so amazing. Uh, We're lucky that we're able to kind of relocate uh, quite easily. Um, So, yeah, so that's kind of who knows what the future holds. Would you consider yourself a minimalist? Um, I would love to. (laughs) Um, I, I want to become more minimal and stuff. I find myself now gravitating to the things that I really need and not the things that I need to fill the space to make me comfortable, you know? So, um, when we first moved to Mexico, we came here with six duffel bags and our dog. That was it. We don't like to be attached to a lot of things. So everything you could kind of get and you could rebuild and you could, the last thing I want to do is bring wool blankets and things that are so Colorado here to Mexico. Like I enjoy the culture. So I want to live in this. I want furniture from here. I want pots and pans, whatever the case is. Um, So yeah, so we have learned to really enjoy things for the moment and just not surround ourselves with a bunch of stuff. What a great story, man. I, you know, a lot of people get stuck into their own little bubble wherever they're at. I Jumped out of the bubble and went to Hawaii. But, you know, eight years in Hawaii, coming back to Colorado, I'm loving it. But one of the, uh, besides, I got a couple grandkids, not my own personal, but uh, step-grandkids that I want to be a part of their life. But I also want to travel. You know, I got a friend that has a place down in Mexico. I want to go down there. You know, there's a lot of places that I like to go to, and I can do that from Denver because it's easy to get to different places. So you have a, a phenomenal life, and, you know, I, I think looking on the outside, we're all proud of you for, for what you and Ashley have done out there and living your life and showing, hey, there's a lot to this world. We're going to live our life because we only have so much time out there, and I— I think that's great. Now you need to find a revenue stream on making margaritas. If you can do that, I hear you make a mean margarita. I just have heard. <laughs> that is very true. I think, you know, um, this lifestyle, I have to say that it's uh, it's a lot of work. You have to hustle. You can't be a lazy person uh, because you eat what you kill, basically. And you don't have being in the military for a while and always having contract work and always having things, it was, I'll, you know, the paycheck never really mattered to me. Like I was like, cool, money's going to come in. I'll see it in the bank. Now that's not the case. So now um, the marketing is something that we've had to learn. Uh, now we have virtual assistants that help us with things. Now we have to hire people that are professional at certain things because I don't know how to build a website, but there's another person that's going to be able to do it more um, streamlined and a lot faster, whatever the case is. So I think surrounding yourself with a group of people that will help you become successful is the key to um, leaving that nine to five and becoming an entrepreneur. And yes, the margaritas, I could knock your socks out with them. Uh, when you come to Denver, 
I want a margarita from you. Yeah, yeah. We the key here. The keys components: mezcal. So I don't use te- I don't use tequila. I use mezcal because I like the smoky flavor. Um, also, in Mexico, there's a thing called controy, uh, which is like I think there's an equivalent in the states of that. Um, and then I also use ginger and habaneros in my margaritas. Mm. Um, yeah. So anyway, they're pretty awesome. So I definitely have to have one. Please, I would love to have one of those when when you come out. Well, I so much appreciate you coming on. You know, like we just mentioned, trying to figure everything out with websites and stuff. It's when you do a podcast, you don't just start off with a microphone and record a podcast and expect the world to listen. It's taken a while to build up what I've built up so far and I need to build up more and I'm still learning. So I understand, but I encourage listeners to check you out. Uh, You are a top quality coach and you will get people to where they want to go and running. Don't cheap out on a coach just because they can give you a Excel spreadsheet plan and say, hey, just follow this and you're going to be good. Find somebody that can take you to the level that you want to go to. Frank is a person that can and Prana Endurance definitely can. So check that out. And uh, the best to you, best to you and Ashley and your doggy and wherever you go. And I'm sure now that I'm back in Denver, when you come up and visit Jay and Michelle and uh, everybody else that uh, somehow I'll get looped into to seeing you both in person. Absolutely. Yeah. Denver is our, our second home. We still have a place there. And uh, so, yeah, we'll definitely get together when we go and all this stuff kind of settles down. All right, man. Thanks. Appreciate right. it. Yeah. So there you go. Frank Campo, Prana Endurance Training. He's such a good guy and is really good at what he does. I hope you got a lot out of our conversation. Maybe you heard something that you can take away and incorporate into your own training right away. Now, if you're interested in connecting with Frank, you can get a free 15-minute consultation with him personally. I know he can take your running to the next level. I've seen his personal progression and can say with confidence, he definitely knows this stuff. For more information, you can go to his website at pranaendurancetraining.com. That's pranaendurancetraining.com. P-R-A-N-A, if you're asking. And I also have a link to his site and social media outlets in the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. That's my site. So um, good luck with your training. Someday races will come back. So keep putting one foot in front of the other. So you are ready when that day does come and we are able to race again. Here is a running quote to keep you inspired and feeling good. All right, it is time. If you are new to the podcast, I always end with a motivating quote to ponder upon. I like quotes, and it's kind of like a mantra to me. And it all started years ago at the defunct New Mexico Marathon, which was in Albuquerque. I was struggling at, I don't know, about mile 23, and I saw a little sign on the side of the path with a quote that I repeated to myself all the way to the finish line, and it got me to the finish line that day. And I still repeat that to myself to this day every so often. However, I'm going to tease you and I'm not going to reveal it during this episode. I'll reveal it at a future episode at some point. But for this episode, I found a real simple quote that actually fits in nicely with 
my friend Frank Campo. It's from Mo Farah, a champion Olympic long distance runner. And it goes like this. Don't dream of winning, train for it. One more time. Very simple. Don't dream of winning, train for it. It's just a fact that you need to train if you want to reach the stars. So don't just dream of winning. Don't just dream of reaching your PR. Get out there and train for it and train smart. This episode's guest, Frank Campo, can give you those tools to train effectively and he can help you believe that you can become a winner. And that, my friends, is a fact. So I know I ask you this all the time, but if you could share this episode and my podcast with your running friends and on your social media platforms, I would be forever grateful to you. I really need to rely on your help for the show to grow and the way you can contribute is by sharing it with others. And you can also subscribe to the Feel Good Running Podcast through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I just really thank you for all your support. Now, there's more information in show notes, including a link to get on our email list so you can get our newsletter. And you also get a free gift with that, 101 running-related links. Right at your fingertips, you can have 101 running-related links. How about that? So keep safe, runners. Wear your mask in public and please be courteous and kind to others during this pandemic. It's not easy for any of us, but we're all in this together. And so uh, with that said, remember to just show up and always, always feel good about your running. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Please consider sharing this podcast with your running friends and spread the feel-good running vibe around you. Head over to feelgoodrunning.com to access all the links and resources mentioned on the show. Until next time, keep motivated, keep focused, and keep on running. It is sure to make you, well, feel good.